Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I have got a huge call-in episode for you guys. Over 15 minutes. I'm looking at it right now. I've just got the call-ins all loaded into the episode. 15 minutes and 18 seconds worth of other people's calls on my episode, all talking about agency, and I'm going to respond to every one of them, I promise. I'm, uh, I'm going to respond to everybody. It's going to be a long episode, but everybody's going to get to, you know, say their piece. And then I'm going to respond a little bit with what I think. So we're going to do a great big call in episode. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, you know, a, a really, it's really cool that I got so many call ins about agency and so many people's thoughts and all of that sort of stuff. So we're going to talk about all that now. Hi Arlen, Spencer here. Just thinking about this consequences and um, agency um, issue between real life and in gaming. I think the big difference is that in a game you're, you can pick and choose what the consequences are. You know, if you're running the game, you can use those consequences, you know, whatever consequences... You, parameters you choose you can use that to motivate characters if you don't want to worry about tracking ammunition if you don't want to worry about tracking food how much sleep the characters are getting you know you can hand wave all that and create exactly the kind of gaming world that you want to play in in reality, we're being pulled in different directions all the time. There are lots of consequences of, you know, any number of things that we want to be getting on with. There's stuff to consider everywhere. Whereas in a game, you can focus if you're all kind of playing the game for that, for a similar reason, um, then agency isn't going to um, kind of be impinged on by sort of narrowing the focus and, uh, you know, keeping everything moving in the same direction. I hope that makes sense. All right. I'm playing these call-ins in the order I got them. And the first one I got was from Spencer Free Thrall. So um, Spencer got to go first. Um, and yeah, I think Spencer's comments are, are good. That one of the big differences, of course, between exercising agency in real life and exercising agency in the game is that we have a lot of control over kind of the nature of consequences and um, the parameters of play in the game. Um, and I think this is something, because this is also something interesting because it um, is different between different games. Obviously, there are some games where the players have a lot more um, story control, essentially, a lot more control over those sorts of issues versus there are other games where it is much more kind of totally on the, the game master or the dungeon master to... Um, 
set, for instance, like the consequences of failure, you know, more like the dungeon master is running the players through their world and they're just going to decide what the consequences of failure are and things like that. Um, which puts kind of an interesting twist on agency, um, I think. And it's a good point from Spencer. Um, I'm not sure it solves the kind of original problem that we have these uh, kind of what I see as contradictory um, statements being used to justify the agency theory of fun. But um, it is it is definitely true that we um, and and I think what Spencer is probably getting at, at least in part, is this idea that um, agency can be a positive and can be used in different ways depending on the type of game depending on the type of you know experience you're going for and all of that sort of stuff and so it doesn't have to be specifically the kind of um you can have agency that is consequential but differently consequential right that's sort of um I think that's sort of what Spencer is is getting at, uh, at least in, in my interpretation of it. Um, and I think that's very true, that differently consequential is probably a good way to think about how to make your um, games have kind of quality agency without necessarily breaking down the, the agency theory of fun quite so much. Hey, Alan, it's Jay. So... Player agency as expressed in Arbiter of Worlds. I have to admit that the passage um, talking about, first of all, agency for us as um, human beings in the real world was, for me, the most flawed part of the argument. Um, essentially, philosophically, I don't believe that we uh, have um, our agency limited except by the laws of physics. Essentially, what I mean is that we are always free to make those choices. Certainly, we may not like the consequences of our choices, and so we choose not to act, but we're always, at least as far as I'm aware, free to act. There's a difference between freedom and liberty that I think often people misunderstand, in that freedom is our ability to choose, and we always have our ability to choose. I would stand by Viktor Frankl um, as my kind of guide on this, that, um, you know... If we think about it, between stimulus and response, there is always choice. We can abdicate that choice and therefore have the world or others around us act on us, but essentially we can always choose. Liberty, however, is that which is given to us by you know, our environment, our society. And I think um, actually that's kind of more what I think... Um, the author of the book is kind of actually referring to. So that's my first objection to the theory of player of agency as expressed in Arbiter Worlds. And of course, by essentially dismissing that um, premise, I, I think I immediately start to uh, challenge his entire approach to the argument, which is to say that um, this is not the only problem. This is like just the first of the problems. Now, as you expressed it, the second issue I have was um, this idea that player agency in the game only has meaning if there are consequences. Now, uh, first thing I'd like to point out is there are very few consequences for players for what their characters do. 
okay? So obviously our action in a game is operating on two levels. First is us as players and the second is our characters. And often, I mean, the way I think about agency in gaming is about characters um, and their interactions in the world having consequences, which then essentially helps to give players choices to deal with. Um, and I think that's a really important distinction to sort of have clear in your mind. Um, I also would like to point out, though, that players also face consequences for what they do in a game from the other players. So, for example, if I'm being a bit of a knob in the game, um, the other players may choose to eject me from the group. Uh, you know, these are the consequences of my human agency, as you like, if you like. My, I can do what I like, um, but the consequences of that may not be what I want. So with this in mind, I feel like this idea of consequences is um, really, really important. Um, but I don't believe that the agency itself is what directly leads to fun, because I think that the MDA theory of engagement outlines the eight key things that make a game engaging. And none of those is really about, um, is really about directly about agency. I think Ron Edwards is right when he says that the key to role-playing games is the concept of exploration. And I think that exploration is sort of the concept that is linked to this most clearly in my mind. Uh, let me see if I can outline that. So if I'm exploring um, some aspect of the game, then as a human being, this is me exercising my agency, my ability to choose what I want to do within the game. And I feel like when the issue with agency is when a GM, another human being, tries to limit my ability to actually do what I want to do in a game, like when, or more precisely, limit what I get to explore. So my key problem is that agency is not something that in itself provides fun, but removing and trying to place limits around a player's agency is the, is the issue. And when you try and do that, when you try and stop the exploration in the, and steer it in a direction away from that which the player is looking, then you have potentially a conflict. And um, that is, I think, what causes the biggest amount of misery in gaming. My preferred way of looking at agency is that expressed by the angry GM in his book Game Angry, which talks about three tiers of agency. That of the freedom to choose how you react in a situation the freedom to choose the situation and the freedom to choose the goal. And I just think that these three elements are really, really important because ultimately, if I allow the players to explore the goals they want to explore, I give the players the greatest amount of agency and freedom within the game. I can. I mean, some players don't want that and they are quite happy for you to tell them what the goal is. I feel that it's dead important that you still maintain the other two levels. There are some GMs who will barely allow you to choose what you do in a given situation and will then railroad you through every situation in the sequence they think it should be. Um, and to me, this is the violation of agency. Um, so having talked five minutes, I'm not sure that that helps. Mm, what am I saying? I think what I'm saying is if you want to increase the fun element of games, which I much prefer to express as the engagement, the level of engagement again, you need to think about the eight engagements and you need to be, as you said, and as you suggested, really thoughtful about the the consequences that you place around the actions that characters take within a game as directed by the players. And this is a very complicated kind of tiering of things. 
I think it's really important that everybody before you even start is on the page about what your goals are, what it is that you're trying to explore, which is why I keep talking so much about, you know, the mode of play and what is your goal? What is your purpose? What is it you're seeking? What are you exploring? I think getting those in place is way more important. But that being said, in the game, if you try and enforce your will on someone else and limit their freedom and their agency to choose, you are going to spoil their game. I don't know if that helps, but uh, there you go. Game on, man. Excellent. So, Che Webster calling in with a great big call-in, much like my call-ins to his show where I often leave call-in after (laughs) call-in. Anyway, um, but yeah, a lot of really interesting stuff to say about the idea of agency and what actually causes fun. I think Che is really onto something when he says, you know, that what causes fun what what creates fun or engagement at the table is more related to these kind of eight engagements um uh, from the the mda or nda theory um and that actually what um agency does is not necessarily um create fun but places a limit on fun when agency is not as present. And I think that's a really good way to think about it, that um, when when a player or the game master is limiting the agency available, that that's often where the, the problem arises and that that's not necessarily a, um, a lack of fun that essentially that the agency isn't what's providing the fun, but the lack of agency is noticeable and that it can be a penalty to fun in essence. Um, it reduces the engagement and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's really true. I think that's a really good way to uh, think about a lot of this stuff because it, it definitely prioritizes player agency um, still right? You still have a a premium put on player agency, but you don't have it put on it in the same way and don't necessarily have those same kind of issues that I saw or see with the player agency theory of fun as put out in Arbiter of Worlds. Um, So yeah, all all really good stuff, really, really worth um, exploring more Um, This is going to be a long episode already, so I'm not going to rattle on for too much longer about this. But um, yeah, uh, big thanks for calling in, Che. It's really cool to to get call-ins. Really cool just to everybody who called in, for you guys to have called in and given me so many things to talk about. Um, But yeah, I think think, uh, you're really on the right track, Che, of, you know, focus on providing the engagements and making sure that agency is available so that it doesn't limit the fun rather than treating agency as the source of fun. Hi, Arlen. The uh, discussion you're having relating to agency, I got a little bit lost, but perhaps if if you could provide some examples in future of exactly what you were saying that might help i 
also think that there's a bit of an issue with player agency and character agency. Your character in-game can lose agency and suffer the consequences of their actions. But then that has the undesirable effect in most old-school games of taking the player out of the game. So the player loses their agency. At which point, mm, you're kind of not playing. I think that is a, a big old problem. And the reason I think this removal of uh, player agency it is an issue it is because you're, you're penalising the player sometimes for playing the character or trying to do a, a good job of getting into the role they're trying to portray in-game. This is why I think you see optimization and um, people using player skill and player knowledge, maybe call it metagaming, so that they can just carry on playing in the real world. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you get around that. Y you need a way to keep the player in the game and maintain their agency even when their character has lost their in-game agency. All right, Colin Green calling in. Um, so, all right, so first off, you asked about an example. I'm going to try and think about an example, but I, I'm really interested in some of the stuff you said towards the end about um, making sure that the player does not lose agency in the game just because their character loses agency and how that is, in your mind, tied to a lot of... Um, you know, play that emphasizes like meta gaming or or using player knowledge instead of character knowledge and things like that. And I think that's really true. Um, for instance, I think one of the effects of throwing very difficult fights at players is that you encourage players to step out of kind of the interesting role play elements that you can do in combat where the player characters are not necessarily acting like a, you know, optimum strategy tactical unit type behavior and force them into that kind of behavior where they have to write in or if in order to succeed, they have to players have to play optimally, then more than likely what they'll do is they'll start trying to play a more optimized game style, right? You'll get more kind of munchkin play and more um, emphasis on that kind of like, you know, super tactical, super um, play that doesn't really reflect necessarily the characters so much as it reflects the, the player's kind of, chess strategy abilities if that makes sense right you you go from playing a game that feels like it's a um it's an expression of role playing to a game that feels like it's more like its own kind of separate thing from the role playing i think that's a really important point um and that to me is one of the the limitations of consequence that you can sort of overdo it. And with these, you know, very difficult fights or things like that, you know, obviously one very difficult fight is different, 
but having, you know, difficult fights over and over again, from the GM perspective, you're likely to turn your players into playing a, a different way than they were before, right? Um, and I think that's important to recognize. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I also think, I think there's a bit of it that is, um, trying to think of a way to describe it i think there's an element that is kind of game design based in what you're talking about colin that like for instance one of the things i remember pointing out um when we were playing ADD second edition is that my character at one point failed a magical fright check or a fear save or whatever it's called um and basically went running and i basically spent uh like four turns of game time not having anything to do. And I was thinking about that, that that's something that a modern game probably wouldn't do as an element of game design, that what they would say was, okay, you're scared, and so you know you have like disadvantage on attack rolls to try to push the player into a um, play style that is less going that is not going to be kind of run up and get in the enemy's face and all that sort of stuff to behave as if they were scared essentially without actually taking away their ability to do that if that's what's really necessary right now if that makes sense and without taking away their ability to do something on their turn right it seems like that's much closer to what kind of the fifth edition logic of, of fear saves would be is that you would be, you know, you wouldn't be, Oh, you have to run away for four turns. Now it would be, you have disadvantage on attacking this creature. So maybe think about a different strategy. And I think that's actually, um, excuse me. I think that's actually one of the things that I really appreciate about 5th edition is the way that, and not just 5th edition, but about a lot of modern games, is the way that some of these um, things that we've learned about uh, the way that the game plays out seems to me that not all of the changes have been for the worse. You know, some of the OSR people are always, you know, seem to me to be basically like, oh, every time it got changed from, you know, the way it worked in BX, it's gotten worse. And I, I just think that is pretty silly because I don't think that's true at all. Um, I actually think that that kind of, you know, shifting the fear response so that the player still has something to do so that it's not basically save or lose your, your next couple of turns, but it is instead save or have a different structure placed on your character so that your character will behave in a different and interesting way, right? That to me is a really positive change. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot, I didn't end up thinking of a great example for you, Colin, other than um, I think the two hard fights uh, is probably the best example. I mean, sort of like, um, I mean, in our Ash game, with not the the first fight against the the weird guardian, the the weird great race of Yith or whatever they are um, creatures, but especially after we were dragging um, Kane and Reagan away from the fight and were in the tunnels, and then the lights came on and there were five of them. I think that's a great example of a place where we, as 
kind of characters did not have a lot of agency just because of the difficulty of the consequences, because those creatures were so tough to take down that we didn't have a lot of, we didn't really have a great way to interact with that sequence, right? That, that scene in terms of one kind of scene of play, we didn't have a lot of great ways to interact with it other than maybe try to run and see what's behind the door that we hadn't checked yet. Um, but even that, I think that's a little, I, I, I don't know. I hesitate to say railroady because I think that Kevin is a really good GM and I know he listens to the podcast. Um, but I do think there's a little, a little bit of kind of, railroadiness to that to say like you know well you've got one option to escape that that feels kind of like a, you know i don't know kind of railroady um and i suspect i you know kevin has clearly been thinking a lot about that sequence too and um he may well totally agree with me or not and he can call in if he does or doesn't um so yeah that that's sort of my example of a place where the consequences are actually taking away player agency. Um, and therefore that the, the kind of concept of player agency requires consequences isn't, isn't quite working as intended. Hi, Alan, it's Graham. Um, thanks for your podcast. Great stuff. Um, a couple of thoughts on agency, I think. Uh, the first is, I agree with you. I think um, I think people come to these games for all sorts of reasons, and it's not specifically agency is fun. They might come for the social. They might come, um, you know, for the actual game itself, the actual mechanics, and to engage with the mechanics. And, you know, they might come for a much more curated uh, experience where they don't have to make a lot of choices. They're not. It's not about choice. It's about experiencing the story with, with friends. Um Pathfinder APs, I'm looking at you. Hey, Alan, it's Graham. Uh, a second reflection on agency is fun. Um, I think um, I think you're right. I think uh, agency in in real and game life needs to have consequences um, because otherwise, you know, uh, the agency doesn't really mean very much in a way. And I think I think probably the the logical problem. Is, is around, um, I'm not sure if it's solved and maybe it's semantics, but I think it's about risk-taking. So, you know, um, you take risks and it's the risks part of agency that makes it really sort of liberating and interesting. You take more risks in game than in real life because you can explore that, that risk-taking in a safer way. And I think, that, I think it's about taking risks. Cheers. Thank you. So first off, big thanks to Graham. First time caller, Graham, or First Age, has his own podcast, um, Tales from the First Age, podcasting from the First Age. Let me let me look it up real quick. Um, gaming from the First Age. So if you liked what he had to say, um, I think he's only got one episode out so far, but um, you can go look at that. Um, pretty cool stuff and always good to get a new caller to call in for the first time. Yeah. Um, no, I think we're, I think we're as a, as a community, we're mostly in agreement about the idea that agency is not kind of the, the only, um, 
source of fun and that a lot of people come to the table for different reasons and that they um, enjoy different different things, including sometimes agency exercise, but not always, not and perhaps not just agency exercise. And I, I think it's interesting your comment about risk-taking because um, that's one of the things that I think is really central to certain types of play. But at the same time, I actually think that some of this this sort of old school play that Arbiter of Worlds is going for um, in some ways is not as good for um, risky play that actually old school play is um, teaching the players to minimize risk, to uh, reduce the uh, risk of play right to to essentially to play in such a way that you minimize risk because i think that's what kind of tactical play is often about right is is minimizing risk um versus the the maximum reward right and that therefore it seems to me that kind of this old school play sometimes it uh over privileges this kind of risk minimization as a uh as a concept as a um style of play and doesn't actually allow for or doesn't lend itself to as much of this kind of like um high risk high adventure style play um but that's just me that's sort of just my thoughts on it but yeah great to have you call in um, Graham, and uh, I look forward to more episodes of your podcast, too. Hey, RL and Jason here. I'm trapped in the van on a travel day, so I apologize. But as far as your agency thoughts, yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I think the key here is whether role-playing games are really enjoyable because of agency. Because I think to some degree, you already hit the nail on the head about the suffering doesn't really exist in the role-playing world. You know, you're more likely to do things in the role-playing world than you would do in real life. I don't think there's any question about that. Whether it's swashbuckling things, whether, you know, risk-taking, you know, whatever. You know, go chase down the monster instead of go to the police. You know, whatever it is, you're definitely more likely to do these things that end up being quote-unquote fun in the role-playing world than in real life. And I don't think the answer is to make the consequences in the role-playing world equal to real life, in which case, well, well you're just going to kill the character or immediately put the character in the hospital or whatever, right? So I, I don't know. But so I do think the consequences are consequences and agency do lead to more fun in role-playing games because you're more likely to take that chance and more likely to do that crazy thing. But that said, that may not, you know, the issue may be that the additional agency isn't why role-playing games are fun. That may be the, the mistaken thought, if there is one. There may not be one at all. Um, Mattress has appeared on interviews before. You could potentially reach out to them to interview them on your podcast even. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's one thing Che Webster talks about quite a bit in Roleplay Rescue. 
is think about why you enjoy the hobby. And do we enjoy the hobby? You know, and this is an individual question. Do we enjoy the hobby because of that extra agency? Or is it for other reasons? So, you know, Macris may be wrong that that's why people enjoy the game. But I don't think he's wrong in that you're, you're more likely to use your agency in the game. Because you, you do have that agency in real life. Just because the consequences are horrible doesn't mean I can't do it, right? So I think you're more likely to use your agency in real life. Or, I'm sorry, in, in a role-playing game than you are in, in a game. But, yeah, I think the, the problem may be why do we really enjoy the games? I don't know. I also think it's important to say happy birthday. I hope you have a good birthday. I look forward to your unboxings. And, yeah, wish you many returns. So talk to you again soon. All right, my buddy Jason calling in. First off, a big thanks for calling in, Jason, and thanks for the happy birthday wishes. Um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of, of happy birthdays from gaming friends, which is, is really cool. It's, you know, it's neat to to have that be, you know, a part of my life now, have all these friends from playing games and from talking about games and all that sort of stuff and have them be a part of uh, the whole, you know, having having a birthday thing. Um, that's really cool. So as far as your comments, I, I really agree with you. And I think, I think like I said to, in my response to First Stage, I, I think for the most part, kind of the community is largely on the same page that maybe agency isn't the only or even the primary source of fun for a lot of people, um, which is not to say that agency isn't important in games and that it doesn't kind of supplement the fun or that it is not noticeable when the fun, when agency is, is not available, right? Because I think it, it for many gamers, I think the, the sort of sense of being railroaded is a strong... Um, strongly opposed to having fun right and therefore there's a sense of like you know you um if you're being railroaded you're not having fun even more e anymore even if the other stuff is still working um and that's obviously a different tolerance for different people but yeah um pretty cool stuff i i'm really glad i i kind of i'm the big thing is I'm so glad that I got so many cool call-ins about this agency stuff. And I actually have one more that just came in um, that I think I'm going to play next. So, yeah, let us get on to that. Hey, Arlen Roy here. I uh, would like to listen to your podcast. Does it only appear on Anchor or does it appear in any other podcatchers? It does not seem to appear in my default Apple podcast app when I try to search by your name or by the name of your podcast. All right. One more call in from Roy. I'm putting this at the end just because this has been a big call in show. Um, Roy, I, so when I look at the, um, the public site for Alive from Pelham's Wasteland on Anchor, I can see on where to listen. I see Breaker. I see Google Podcasts. 
I see Pocket Casts, I see Radio Public, I see Spotify, and I see an RSS feed thing. So I think those are the only options other than Anchor itself to listen to my podcast. Um, personally, the one I use, I use Spotify to listen to most things, um, just because Spotify is pretty easy on, um, I've got a, an Android tablet that, um, or I mean, technically it's a Amazon, uh, Kindle fire, but it uses basically Android. Um, anyway, and Spotify works well on that. So that's what I use. Um, so yeah, I think that's my my suggestion is probably um, use one of those because I think those are the the best ways. Those are the ones that my podcast gets automatically distributed to. I don't know why it doesn't get distributed to some of the other ones that other people's do. Um, it may just have to do with when I um, opened up the podcast or if I need to switch a setting or something like that, I will take a look at that. All right. Um, thanks for calling in. And I... I'm now done with the episode, so we're going to the outro. All right, that's it. That's the whole episode. That's all I got for you today. Um, that was a, a ton of content. A whole bunch of call-ins and a whole bunch of my response to those call-ins. Tried to keep it short for each response, but um, you know me, I can definitely... Uh, blather on about stuff, definitely able to talk when I, um, when I get going. So, um, yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was, it was, it was awesome to get so many call-ins, so many people kind of interested in this kind of question and want to say their piece and, and discuss it and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so it was really cool to do a big call-in show. Um, yeah, big thanks to Spencer Free Thrall, to Che Webster, to Colin Green, to Graham First Age, and to Jason Connerly, um, all of whom, and to Roy, um, Roy didn't call in about agency, but that's sort of cool too. All of them have, uh, podcasts of their own, I'm pretty sure, um, and you should go listen to them. Um, yeah, it's, uh, cool stuff. Um, so if you want to get in contact with me, you can do like all of our fine callers did and leave me a call in on anchor anchor.fm slash Pelham's wasteland. And you can leave me a voice message and I will play it on the show. You can also get a hold of me on Twitter. I am at cows from Powis on Twitter. Um, and I am on a number of different discords which you can, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably on those discords too, or at least you know about them. So um, you can get in contact with me that way too. Yeah, um, I think that's everything. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.